Welcome to Be The Light Podcast. This podcast is about building a momentum of positive change and healing in you by shining the light on teachers and the wisdom they have to share with us to help us to remember our inner light and to continue to grow. I'm your host, Maria Kammerer. Thanks for joining me today. My guest today is Peter Cutler. Peter is a monk, mystic, author, artist, and spiritual teacher. He is a spiritual catalyst, and he helps to birth the awakened consciousness that lies hidden in all of us. Although it lies hidden behind the conditioned thoughts of the dream world, it is always here, ready to awaken. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Peter Cutler today. And I invite you to, to hear the peace, to hear the silence, to rest in that. Well, thanks for meeting with me today. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Thank you. And, um, you know, it just, it is, it is like a sangha here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is. It is. That's my sangha now is the online sangha. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that come in on Zoom and, and come to the satsangs and things like that. That's my sangha. And, uh, and also when I've taken these, these, um, these long retreats, which I've done, these long solo silent retreats, which I've done that have lasted sometimes as long as a year, mm-hmm. um, then my sangha was was here when I was in Sedona was uh, like you know like a spider and uh, and birds and whatever was here was my sangha. I felt so absolutely one with them mm. and loved them, you know. So this was my sangha. I treated them with absolute love and respect and um, care, you know, for everything that came. A little ant, and it would be I would bow to that. And it, re- it just felt so much like that, you know, that this, everything is my sangha, the trees, the sun, all helping me. There's not too much that I can do for the sun. I would do anything that I could do for it, but it's, it doesn't ask for anything. <laughs> it seems to be doing pretty well on its own. <laughs> Shining bright. <laughs> yeah. But it gives so much. Mm. So I receive that. And the little like insects and ants, well, they often need help. You know, they need help to be guided outside (laughs) because there's not really enough food for them in here, you know, and to put them in a nice place where they could find food, spiders and things like that to, you know, help them in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is the Sangha. And that's something else that Thich Nhat Hanh taught too, is like everything is your Sangha. Mm. You You start with the people and you can feel that energy. I think one of the things that Thich Nhat Hanh always talked about, Thai, we called them, yeah. in, um, was every retreat he would say a, a lot of the same things, but one of the same things that he said was that you come here to hear my Dharma talks, because mm-hmm. he used to give a Dharma talk. And uh, he said, but the real benefit of being in, in these retreats is the silence, that's the real teaching. It's not my Dharma talk. It's the silence. And you may realize that after a while, that the silence itself is what is, is teaching you. This is the profound teaching, mm. not my Dharma talk, but the silence that's around it, you know, permeating the whole retreat. And that was very, very true, mm. you know, and that's something that's so profound that it's, it's never left me. I mean, it keeps growing in me, you know, that lesson that the real teaching is in this silence. This is the most profound teaching there is, is this, this silence, this stillness, this inner silence, you know, and you know, connecting with energy, you know, what that is. Yeah, I think you can feel, feel that silence or that peace of everyone practicing together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
and it is it is so supportive you're right and uh, sometimes i find myself trying to do something um, as an individual like you said and it's very hard it makes it really hard because yeah. it feels like then i only have this much energy or this much strength like a little container yeah you know and then and then i run out <laughs> or something like that yeah group, which is good because the, yeah. this is this is the teaching of suffering mm. teaching of suffering is to say there's a better way <laughs> right there's a better way look for a better way <laughs> don't keep trying to do it this way you know it's telling you there's a better way there's a better way to be in the world and and when we find that better way, then we don't have suffering because we don't need it. Mm. We need the suffering when we're on the wrong track. It's a correction. It's a way of correcting our life. I mean, many people are suffering all the time because they haven't found this. They keep thinking it's this me, individual I, that's supposed to do it. And this is what we're taught. And it doesn't work. So we're always going to be suffering. We may have a moment of success and then mm. a failure. And that's showing us it's not really working. If it was truly working, there would be no mo there would be no failure. There would just be continuous, you know, opening and happiness and peace. Because that's that's the way truth is. That's the way our our life is. And we find this in silence. When our thoughts are not busy, when they slow down and stop, we're not paying attention to them anymore then we open to this great peace and realize it's always here because I'm not doing anything to make it. It's just here. Mm -hmm. I'm just not in the way anymore. I'm just not hiding from it. I'm just not obscuring it with my thoughts of trying to get peace. It's just here. And this complete contentment, no matter what was happening a moment before, when we drop into silence, in this great peace, we're absolutely content. A moment before we could be complaining about life. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's raining. It's too sunny. Whatever our complaints are, there's bugs, you know, or, or whatever, or I just got fired from my job. And so we're having this, this uh, uncomfortable feeling. And when we drop into this silence, suddenly that's all gone. Did I lose my job? Yeah, but that's just life happening. There's no problem. There's no problem here. You know, I need to do things, but I can do them from this place of silence, which is also wisdom. Right? We open to this great wisdom that's here. It's amazing. Just this, this wisdom in, in our nature, in our true nature, this unlimited wisdom, not because we've learned something or some knowledge that we've attained, but something that's always been here the whole time. Mm. You know, I was thinking that um, I looked at this video of Papaji yesterday, and, and one of the things he said, he's talking about silence, and one of the things he said was that when the mind is disturbed, when it has thoughts of fear or anger or confusion or doubt, this is not an individual matter. This is actually the, the energy of this. The energy of those thoughts is projected out into the world mm -hmm. and even the universe. So it's affecting everything. It's not, you know, it might put a, a lot of responsibility on us, like, for me, every thought. Yes, every thought, every thought. So he said, so, you know, it behooves you to have beautiful thoughts <laughs> to help the world. <laughs> Otherwise, you're kind of messing it up, and most people are. So there's a lot of energy mm. that is not, a lot of this, this energy vibration level that is not of this, this peace and happiness. It's disturbing this. And when we enter into into silence, that all stops, right? And we find this peace that's always here. So we're, we're exuding this peace and exuding this, this bliss and love because it's always here. 
It's our very nature. And there's nothing that we have to do about it. We don't even have to think. It's the absence of thinking where we experience this. And that also transmits this into the universe. And somehow the universe transmits it back to us. You know, so it's this, so our, our peace develops more and grows more all the time without us doing anything at all other than not paying attention to these thoughts. And that's what happens in, in a, on a retreat. On a retreat, you know, no one is speaking. Everybody eats and does everything without speaking. And then slowly your, your thoughts are busy for a few days. Still, they're still, they're still running the way they were before, but slowly they slow down. And you have the influence of other people in the Sangha that have been doing this longer than you and have deeper peace. And you feel that their peace kind of is contagious and sort of comes over you. And then your thoughts slow down and there's much less of them. You're not paying attention to them. You sort of see the ones, wow, that's kind of irrelevant. <laughs> I don't really need that. And you just let it go. And at that point, you enter into, into, the, into truth into this oneness of the Sangha where you're not separate from anybody and this great love comes over you. People, I mean, in a Thich Nhat Hanh Sangha, sometimes there's a lot of people there, mm. probably not so many in, in the 21 day retreat, but in the week long retreats, there might be a thousand people in the US or close to that. And, uh, and there's this great love for all of them and you haven't even spoken to them, but somehow you seem to know them more intimately than if you spent years talking to them. It's kind of amazing, all these things that come out of, of simply silence. Mm. Isn't that it's amazing? It's a miracle, really. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a miracle of silence, or as Thich Nhat Hanh says, Living. a miracle of <laughs> mindfulness, right? Because it's... Mindfulness is being present. And when we're silent, we're fully present. We're aware of everything. When the mind isn't so attached to thoughts, we become fully present. When the mind is attached to thoughts, we're not as aware, you know? We're not as aware of, of the body's posture that allows the energy to flow in it. We kind of forget about that and our posture can sort of change and not be so as it should be, as the body needs to be. Mm. You know, we may feel some stress in our body depending on what the thoughts are. And these things happen when we're not, when our thoughts kind of take over. We live in, in a world of thoughts. We see the world through thoughts and it's not the way it is at all. It's the way we've been conditioned to believe it is. And often that is not so positive, you know, for you, it may be because you look very happy, <laughs> but part of that is your practice doing the Reiki, going to Plum Village and doing that. So you've learned to, to open to, to this stillness that's in, you know, which is really the source of happiness the source of love, the source of peace. We come back right to the source of it. And at the source, it doesn't need anything. We don't need to arrange our life so everything is peaceful and people are getting along and stuff in order <laughs> to feel peace. We just feel peace. In the midst of a war, we feel peace. Yeah. If we come back to the source of peace, and we can be looking for love and feeling like, you know, I want to fix my relationship so the love is flowing better or find a relationship and not aware that the love is in us always. And it doesn't need another person. It's here, full, complete, the source of love itself. It's an amazing discovery to find this. And when you, when you are in Sangha or in satsang with others, 
Do you find you have to bridge this the gap between your understanding and other people's understanding, or is it just peace, you know? <laughs> I'm not a very good gap bridger. <laughs> is there a gap? <laughs> well, no gap. <laughs> well, the thing is, what, what happens is I know people that are, are have really focused on bridging that gap with their words and, and thoughts to say, okay, I know where you are. This is a huge jump, jump for you. So let me kind of baby step you, mm -hmm. you know, a little closer to this. And to a certain degree, I do this, but not that much. Instead, what I do is I see in them what is already fully awake. Mm -hmm. And this is so in everybody. This silence is fully awake, right? And it is in everybody, every being not even just humans, but everything is like this. So I see this very clearly in them. And not with words, although there are a lot of words often, but something that's this, this other communication that's happening underneath the words is speaking to that. It's this, this stillness and peace and silence, this awakened consciousness that's speaking to the awakened consciousness, the same thing. Mm. And that happens. That's how the gap is bridged. It's not often people like they realize this, you know, people that have been with me for a while realize that and say, you know, it's like, it's not your words. There's something that's traveling underneath there and my mind isn't getting in the way of it. Something is going right into my heart. There's yeah. this communication happening that has nothing to do with the words. It's, it's a transmission, I guess we call it, you know, and that that's happening. And what I think of it is it allows people to open to the truth of what they are. It gives them permission to open to the truth of what they are. And the rest of society, they're not getting this permission. It's saying, you are this name and form and your role, and here's my relationship with you, and all this complicated thought structure of, of who we are and how we act in the world and who we are in the world. There's something underneath that that's much more true, much more basic, the source of all of this. And so this gives permission for people to open to that source when they haven't in most of their life, they don't have this permission. And often if they're by themselves, they're listening to their thoughts, mm -hmm. which are also not giving them permission. Right. You know, and even if they're seekers and they're looking for spiritual enlightenment, they're, they're seeking with their mind. Where's the information that is going to help me? Who's the teacher that's going to help me? get this instead of realizing that it's always been in me and that's what I do I keep pointing back to it's already in you and it, it gives permission for them to feel that so it's not so much a transmission of my energy but my energy allows them to experience this energy that's in them you know it says oh I could do that he did it I could do it it's kind of like that you know if, if he's doing it, maybe I can. Mm. So here's a space that I'm setting up for, for me to do that, to open to this. And then it, it opens. And often afterwards, they want to figure out what happened, but really a lot of it, most of it, almost all of it, maybe all of it cannot be understood with the mind. It's a direct experience of something that's more than thought. And yet, because it is true of their very nature, the, this truth of what they are, their very basic nature and source, everybody can experience it. So that's the kind of bridging. Thank you for asking that question about bridging. Because I did kind of, you know, there was a time when, when people would say, when they're reading the things that I write, it would be, you know, people would go, oh, that's over my head. I'm, I'm not there. I don't know. Why are you saying this? You know, but even in the writing, there's this energy mm -hmm. of permission, of allowing that says, no, there's something else happening here that isn't your thoughts. Yeah, so if it's I... not your thoughts, it's not, it's only over your head in thought. 
it's not over your head in truth. In truth, it's going right to you. Mm. And if that's listening to it, if you get out of the way for a moment, as I have, get your thoughts out of the way for a moment, then you, you will feel this. You will experience this. You will be this and you will know this. That seems to work. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it simple, right? Yeah. Keeping it simple. Yeah. And it isn't, um, there's not a lot of doing involved in this. Mm. You know? When transmission comes, I mean, I, I've heard people say like, now the transmission is going to begin. How do you know? <laughs> you don't have any control over it. It's, it's your being. It's this yeah. the stillness. It's this beingness. That's what's doing it. You may be aware when it's happening, but you don't turn it off and on like a, right. a switch. It's just here, you know, and, and it is doing that. And you're not doing anything. You're just being. You're just being open yourself. That's all. You're just being aware of the stillness. And then other people become aware too. Yeah. It's like um, when I, when you sit in that, it's it's like a sponge. You mean that you're just soaking it up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You're soaking it up, but it is also you. You're soaking right. up. <laughs> <laughs> you're sort of marinating in you, you know, but you're not marinating in, in the you of who you thought you were, the limited little you who's trying to do everything by itself and is, is getting burnt out and struggling, you know, to try and keep up. It's not that you, that you is you from the point of view of what you really are isn't real at all. It's, it's a limitation. It's, a, it's, it's taking the infinite and squeezing it into this tiny little box when it doesn't, it can't be done. <laughs> the infinite is always going to be the infinite, no matter what you imagine and feel you are. You're never this little limited self, although because we believe it, it feels like it. Yeah. You know, and most people go through their whole life believing it and and experiencing life through this, through this I. Mm. That's what happens, you know? So is it, a, is bridging the gap between like the illusion of I and I? Well, that's an enormous gap. That's in a gap with every thought that people have. Every thought that people have and experience they have of being a separate person and all their roles and all the and many, many layers of thought that go on to creating this I, there's a gap between that and no I. Yeah. Mm. Every one of their thoughts is a gap. So step by step to try and pull out each thought, mm. that's kind of challenging to do that intellectually. So the best way is to let the silence speak through somehow, through, through the words, mm. you know, as I'm doing now to let the silence speak and, and it can use words. It can, it learns how to use words to communicate with this. And, and through these words and energy is also in the words and the space between the words. And that's how it communicates. And it cuts through all those thoughts. It doesn't need those thoughts, it doesn't need to pull them apart one at a time because there's a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I don't know if you can ever get to the bottom of it because while you're doing that, you know, a hundred new thoughts will come up <laughs> to take their place. <laughs> it would be very frustrating to try and do that, like Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill and it gets to the top and it just rolls back down again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think psychotherapy is kind of like that for people too. You know, they get a little bit of headway, but then they found all these other things. And, mm. and thoughts are, are amazing because even if we could do this, even if we could through psychotherapy deal with every one of our unconscious thoughts, unconscious thoughts, and, and realize that they're not true and let them go and not be attached to them, 
then we'd have to deal with the human consciousness, mm. with the thoughts in humanity, <laughs> yeah. because we're also part of that. So we open up, if we could get that clear, suddenly we'd have all of the thoughts of humanity to deal with. <laughs> That's overwhelming. <laughs> that would be a bit overwhelming, yeah. So, so this way we just cut through all of it, mm. get back to the stillness and the source of the whole thing. We come back to the source of the whole thing. That's the value of silence. Silence grows in us. And, and the clarity of this just brings in so much realization continuously. You know, we're always learning from this, from the way life is. And most of it doesn't come in the form of thought. We're kind of just learning in, in, in a different way. And so in satsang, people are learning in a different way. There are a lot of words, but I'm very much encouraging all the time for people not to be attached to any of the words, that the words are not important, but how you feel, that's not a, not a thought. That's what it's about. And so the attention starts resting on that. What does it feel like? Mm -hmm. What's happening here that's not a thought? And in that way, we become present. Suddenly, our awareness just opens up to so much. So much. You know, the feeling of air on our skin. We weren't aware of that before when we were lost in a thought. Mm -hmm. The energy in our body. I mean, you know about energy, so we can feel the energy in our own body like it's a living thing. <laughs> I wasn't really aware of how, what a living thing feels like. I just thought it's a body and it does this and this and I need to take care of it or it's yeah. ill or needs some work or something. We weren't, we were thinking of it like a, I don't know, like, like some very two-dimensional thing. Like and suddenly it becomes energy. Yeah. 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 So, so this awareness that comes from silence, which just means not putting all our attention on thoughts anymore. Letting thought, I mean, we're aware of thoughts too, but we don't give our attention to them and believe them anymore. So we're open to experiencing the whole thing, the whole totality. And this is how we have this experience of non-separation. Why? Because things don't feel separate. Our <laughs> thoughts say they are, but if I let go of my thoughts, it no longer feels separate. Yeah. Right? This feeling of great love comes from this not, this no longer feeling separate. Mm. This is the highest form of love. And, and it's the very nature of what we are and reality is the very highest form of love, that there's no separation. Mm -hmm. it, and it is what love is, really. Love is only the lessening of this feeling of separation. Mm -hmm. And if we're in an intimate relationship with one other person, that one person we don't feel as separate from as we do from everybody else. And that feels amazing to us. Like, oh my God, this is incredible. <laughs> this is the greatest thing of my life because I just don't feel quite as separate with this one person. And as that grows, we also kind of feel if we're really in love that we also don't feel quite as separate from other people either for some reason, right? Yeah, really, I'm totally not separate from this person, but also the other people, I don't feel quite as separate from them. It starts expanding. The love, the lack of separation starts expanding and it takes in more, you know? We go in nature and feel like, oh, and I love nature. I love the feeling of the air and the, the sun and the trees, the breeze blowing the leaves. You know, we start becoming more aware of that and not feeling as separate from it. And that feels wonderful. Mm. Unfortunately, after a while, usually our mind kicks in and goes, they didn't put the they squeeze the toothpaste from the middle, you know? <laughs> so they're a little different from me in that moment. I'm annoyed because I'm not feeling the same oneness with them. 
and not feeling as much love. And then suddenly I don't feel as much love for the, my neighbor because he's playing his music too loud or doing something else or the dog is barking. And suddenly I'm separate from them and I don't feel as much love. So that's thoughts coming back in. But while we were open and feeling that love, we were in alignment with reality, with truth. And that's why it felt so good. There isn't any separation. And we were beginning to feel that. And our heart was like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> you know, please let yeah. this be for the rest of my life that I feel. <laughs> True. Yeah. But yeah. awakening is like that. Awakening is we open to this and more because it's, it is everything. It's like falling in love on steroids, you know, <laughs> because our heart is wide open, you know, to everything. We don't feel separate anymore. And our mind can disagree all it wants, but the feeling is too strong for that, for our mind to say, no, no, you are separate. Yeah. Better worry about this. This person might not be. Who cares? <laughs> this feeling, you know, this openness. That's real. Yeah, quite lovely. But, but for people who have never I've experienced that before, or um, one, one person I'm thinking of in this moment, um, she had so much fear and so much stuff in her that when I say, something like, you know, we want to go within, take the journey within, or love is within you. She just thinks I'm full of crap. You know what I mean? Or I do. Or that yeah. um, this, that I'm being selfish or being, or um, she's defending. She's defending. Yeah. She's defending because when we first, if we do heart opening exercises, you know, which if we do these heart opening exercises, which I used to do with people, I don't really do that anymore because you can get sort of to the source of it. Um, it's challenging because there's pain because what we've done is essentially, you know, we're kind of born into the world and we're wide open, right? And our heart is wide open. Everything is wide open. We don't know. We have no thoughts. It's just like, whoa. <laughs> You know, we can't even focus our eyes, you know, it's like, and then we get a disappointment, you know, like, oh, I'm getting like love from a mother or father. And then, then something like bad baby, why did you do that? You know, and suddenly, oh, I'm not getting the love. Oh, that's painful. I don't like that. Not getting love. I'm supposed mm -hmm. to get love. I need love. And then you feel that you don't have it. And so that hurts and you go, I don't want to feel that again. So now we're, we're making a little a cage, you know, a little wall. So I don't have to feel that pain again. And then another thing happens, you know, we grow up and get our first boyfriend or girlfriend and then, you know, Oh, wonderful. And then there's another disappointment. Yeah. Not going to feel that again. So smaller and smaller, we make this little cage of our heart and it, it's the resistance to it. That's painful. Resistance is painful. You know, this yeah. Resistance is what's painful, not the pain, not the thing that's causing it, but the resistance to it that's painful. So when we start opening our heart again and really explore this, we're going to run into that resistance that we created, and that's going to feel painful. And if we're scared, it's like, no, opening my heart is painful. No, it's not opening. It's, it's not opening that's painful. It's the resistance that you're feeling. So we do open up to that pain of the resistance and we just have to let it go yeah open anyway oh now it dissolves oh that feels good mm -hmm. and then we hit another one you know another wall that we've created this imaginary wall and as we keep expanding it, so there's a lot of defense against feeling mm -hmm. a lot of defense against feeling our pain our resistance feeling our resistance because we, we suffered from it and it felt sometimes intolerable to us mm -hmm. and we don't want to do it again. So when we're saying like, go in deeply, in a way you're saying, feel that, yeah. feel that pain anyway. You know, I mean, that's part of it. That's 
what I work with people when they're having these situations is I encourage them to open to whatever pain they're having. And if their pain is very intense, if they're really feeling overwhelmed by pain, they're willing to do it because they've got nothing else. They've tried everything else and nothing else has worked. So they're willing to give this a chance. And it's very, very difficult because of their resistance. Mm. You know, I worked with a guy, I've worked with him a lot, but, but not long ago. And I said, I'd done this practice with him before, but I did it this time and saying like, in the moment he's feeling overwhelmed with this pain. I can only work with it when they're feeling it, when they're actually in the pain itself. Mm-hmm. And I said, are you feeling this now? And he said, yeah, absolutely. You know, I said, okay, can you accept that you are feeling this? And he said, of course. Yeah, I just told you. So I am. So good. Okay. You can accept that it is happening in this moment. You are feeling it. And the next step is, can you accept that it's happening and you're feeling it and not want it to be any different than it is? Mm. And that's the hard part, you know? And so with him, it took more than 20 minutes before he could say yes. Mm. I tried every way of around it said, but it is here. It is happening. You admit that it is happening right now. Can you accept it and not want it to be any different than it is? Because if it's different than it is, you can't heal it. You can't be free of it. It has to be as it is for you to heal it. You have to have it to receive the message of what it's trying to teach you. And when you learn it, then it, you'll be healed. It will just, it won't need to be there anymore. So it's got, it's a gift for you. Can you open to this? And it's so painful that, you know, our reaction, our trained reaction is like, no, give me pleasure. I don't want any pain. You know, that's our reaction. So, so it goes against that. It goes completely against how we've been conditioned. We have to say, no, I accept this pain too. I accept this pain fully and I want to be here to to see what it is. I want to explore what this fierce grace is because it's grace underneath it. And I'm willing to be here with it. So it takes, you know, someone to help them through that step. They can do it on their own if they have enough discipline, but it usually takes somebody to, to be with them to allow that to, to at least the first time to work through. And then they see how wonderful it is because once they can say, yes, I accept it and I accept it exactly as it is and I don't want it to be different. I'm willing to open to exactly what this feeling is. I'm willing to totally open to it. Then the unconscious thoughts just come up because you've repressed these thoughts before Mm. and likewise this feeling. It's all resistance and now you're saying, I'm not going to resist it anymore. In this moment, I'm not going to resist it. I'm going to accept it as it is and stop resisting. And as soon as you do that, all those repressed things come up. It it isn't that it gets, sometimes it feels more intense. It does. Mm. But in order to stop being overwhelmed, this I learned from Eckhart Tolle, you say, can I be space for this feeling? Mm. So can I be just enough space so I'm feeling this fully, but also I'm aware of it? You know, it's, you know, if, if it fills up that space, then you become overwhelmed and you're not learning anything. You're just, you are fear or depression or whatever it is. You become that the whole universe is just that. So you're not learning this makes space so you can feel it just as intensely as before, but your awareness is aware of it. Your awareness is looking at it. This inner wisdom is holding it and looking at it and learning from it. You know, and sometimes the sometimes it comes out more. Sometimes you you know you'll say like, "Can I be space for this?" And you'll have to say yes because you're space for the infinite. So you can certainly hold this feeling, and then the feeling is still so intense that it fills up that space. Then you have to ask again, "Can I be space for this?" Mm. And if it's very intense, it may fill that up. Mm. And then you say, "Can I be space for this?" And eventually, you're going to be space for whatever it is, and it will say it won't fill that up. And then, you, then you're learning and you're allowing it to be. And once you do that, the repressed thoughts come up. And once you see those repressed thoughts, sometimes they're from earliest childhood. And you think like, wow, here I am an adult looking at a thought I had when I was four or five. It's not really true. <laughs> you know, no, everyone taller than three feet is not a monster. <laughs> I'm taller than three feet now. You know, whatever you were thinking, it's not, 
it, it just it just goes, you know, it just goes, but you're not attached to it. You had an attachment to it from a very young age, maybe, or whenever it is. And now you see it and it just goes. And that along with that, the feeling goes, the, the uncomfortable feeling, the feeling of pain goes, it just releases. And suddenly you feel gravityless, you know, your whole body feels lighter because you store this stuff in your body. You do Reiki, you know, people store traumatic pain in their body. It stays there. If they repress it, it's just going to stay there until they deal with it. And this releases it. And suddenly they feel so light and flexible and their body can move in ways that it never seemed to move before, all from simply not resisting. And if there's physical problems, then now the blood can flow and the immune system can work and all that stuff can go in where they had resistance and blockages. Now all that can come in and they have physical healings from that. But resistance is the thing. It's the mind says, no, 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 no. (laughs) And awareness says all the time, yes, 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 yes. It only can say yes. It never says no about anything, (laughs) right? Otherwise we wouldn't be aware of it. Right. Right. And so we come in alignment with awareness, which is just yes, yes to life, whatever it is. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so we learn to do this. And this practice is so wonderful because through. We only need to work on the things that we resist. Right. If we're if we just fell in love where we don't have to work on that, that's good. Yeah, you're open. Good, good. If it's a beautiful spring day or there's beautiful clouds in the sky like there are behind you, you know, you can say, yeah, I like this. Okay, good. You don't have to work on that. You're already open to it. You're already accepting. But the things that you're not open to, that you resist, that you don't accept, that's where the work is. When we work on that, eventually we accept everything, no matter what it is. You know, something will come up that we wouldn't have liked um, a week ago and said, this would have driven me crazy. And suddenly it's like, oh, I see. No, that's, yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't have preferred that before, but it's all, I accept it. It's all okay. It's just my thoughts about it. You know, it's just something that's coming in. It's just something that's arising. It's life itself. Mm. Why do I want to resist life itself? Why do I want to say some things in life are good and some things are not good? It's life. Life doesn't have these labels good and bad it's just life you know this is what silence tells us it's all just life happening we don't have to make good and bad about it it's life i mean how do we feel about life being it's pretty good good. (laughs) you know i mean having a living body it's pretty amazing having a living body experiencing a living body. It's pretty amazing to feel this energy in all this. That's amazing. It doesn't matter what our thoughts have to say about it. What I feel is it's amazing. I feel good. I feel, yeah, life. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. More of that. So that's the practice that I do with people that are really stuck on things. But, you know, some people have so much resistance that they're just not going to do it. They're not ready to do it. And there's nothing that we can do about that. If they're not ready to let go, if they're so defended, if they have, you know, a big wall and moats and and crocodiles on the moat, so you guys (laughs) don't go there. (laughs) They don't want you, you know, they're defending. They've got like, archers up on top of the okay fine (laughs) I guess I guess the invitation wasn't true (laughs) otherwise you put down the moat and let me in (laughs) and that's okay too yeah it's fine it's just it's just the way it is you know I mean I don't run into many people like that it's kind of what I ask for internally the people to come that they would be ready but occasionally someone comes like that and And what I used to do is I would say, I need to help everybody. So I need to help. What can I do? How can I get around this? How can I help them? And the last time it happened, 
just the reality said, all right, I, I gave them an energy healing. I put my hand in this guy's chest and I gave him a, like a jolt of energy, you know, which was good. That helped him. But that's as much as I could do. That's as much as I could do. And I knew that in the moment. And I said, there's nothing else I can do for you. He kept asking me things. I said, there's nothing else I can do. I have the names of some people that are healers. You can see if you can work with them, but I can't do anything for you. That's as much as I can do. And I just realized that, yeah, that happens with some people. Some people have this defense and maybe some other person could work with them. But I felt there was just so much defending, so much. Sometimes people have an identification and addiction to their pain, right? And a very strong addiction too. I mean, there's this dear person who who is an amazing healer he has this a gift of healing that i've never even seen in anybody through his body through his energy and yet in his life he's come to me a number of times for healing and and one time he came and i just let this this energy flow through him you know like just invited the energy in and let it flow through him and he was open enough to receive it but what happened is he he fell down in the floor and was writhing on the floor just rolling around in the floor. And I thought, this is strange. And I was just watching it happen. You know, I didn't need to do anything at that point. It was all happening in him. And finally he got up and said, who would I be without my suffering? Mm. In other words, he was attached to the suffering and he felt that the suffering was gone. He wouldn't exist anymore. You know, not as who he thought he was, he wouldn't, but he was holding on to that so much. And I realized, well, what can you do? In that case, if, if he's so addicted and attached to that suffering, he doesn't want to let it go. He has to want to let it go, you know, and with some people, it's kind of like an alcoholic, you know, they hit bottom and then they're willing to get help. They're willing to go to AA. They're willing to do what they need to do. But until that moment, there isn't anything you can do. They have to be willing to do it. And sometimes people's addiction is to their own suffering. Mm. You know, I mean, I've seen other people like that too. This woman, I remember who was suicidal and no matter what you did and how much energy was there, it just, you know, she would have moments of freedom and then it would come right back again, just snapping back, you know, the same identification with the suffering. And it would be like, now we're, now we're at back to zero again. And then again, you know, you'd bring some relief and then now we're back to where we started. You know, so what can you do? (laughs) I mean, it only took seconds to get right back to where you started. So her identification was too strong. She wasn't willing to be happy. She wasn't willing to, to let go of that. Can we also, on the reverse side of that, just learn or enlighten or awaken through happiness as well? Or are we sometimes too attached to happiness? Too attached to happiness? You know, I mean, there's suffering suffering, and then there's happiness is on the... Well, what we think happiness is and how we think we're going to get happy is not how happiness is because happiness is kind of, it's a... um, Adi Shanti calls it a side effect of awakening. It's a side effect of truth. You know, it isn't, if we look for truth, we will find happiness and peace and love. If we look for happiness, we are not going to find it, you know, because it's a side effect. You know, we, we, we need to find the source of it. When we find the source of it, happiness just happens to be there mm. as part of it. It isn't, it is happiness is not the source. The source is the source of happiness, the source of peace, the source of love. Mm. Right. So if we look for happiness and yes, there is happiness in that the thinking of happiness has the duality of happiness and suffering. And that's why people have happiness and suffering and happiness and suffering and happiness and suffering, the roller coaster going up and down of thoughts. And that's the best it's ever going to be. Because that's just the way it is. You know, you get the, uh, you know, an actor finally gets an Oscar and they go up and they're really happy. They may even be really happy for a week. Oh, my first Oscar. Yay, I've made it, you know, and they may be happy for a week. But after that, they 
they, uh, you know, they, they get this really big movie and then they kind of screw it up. They, they don't do very well. And the directors, you know, maybe even fires them and then they're unhappy. You know, I mean, things happen, you know, or everything's going well in their career, but their, their, you know, their boyfriend left them, you know, or, or sleeping with their best friend or who knows what happens, you know, right. they get in a car accident, anything can happen. And, and they expect everything to be like the Oscar. They expect the thing that they thought gave them the happiness, which didn't actually give them the happiness. The reason that they were happy is because they stopped trying to get an Oscar. Mm. They stopped trying to be famous because they, now they are. They don't need to do that anymore. They got the Oscar. And in that moment, there's a relief. They're not trying anymore. They sort of let go. And they're coming back to a sense of, of stillness and peace. It's like, I don't need to try anymore. Ah, what a relief. And that relief is letting go and, and silence and stillness where happiness comes from. But they're thinking it's the Oscar that gave it to them. And then if they don't get the Oscar the next time, now they're unhappy because Oscar equals happiness right. or the new car, the boyfriend or falling in love. All these things equal happiness when it's not that. Right. So that's where we're stuck in a duality of going back and forth from happiness to unhappiness. When we find the source of happiness, then we're happy. We don't need anything. We don't need an Oscar. We don't need a new boyfriend. We're happy. Mm. Happiness is just here, uncaused by anything. It's just the nature of reality. We're happy. Why? Because we're happy. Yeah. Right. We're at peace. Why? Because like Thich Nhat Hanh says, you know, there is no way to peace. Peace is the way. <laughs> you know, if you're at peace, you're at peace. <laughs> there isn't a way to get to peace. You are at peace. This is your nature. Yeah. So that, that's as, finding the source of it takes care of that duality, that, mm. you know, going back and forth, which is so... Uh, back and forth. <laughs> this is a big problem that people have. One of the things that people have as they begin to wake up mm. is uh, their unconscious is no longer unconscious. Mm. Their unconscious starts opening up. So the subconscious thoughts that they've repressed start like coming up and they re-experience them and that doesn't feel good. You know, the resistance is like falling away and suddenly this thought comes up that they hadn't thought about since they were five years old. And suddenly it's like, ow, I, I felt so abandoned. What? Why is that happening? Well, it's to heal. Mm. It's, it's purifying you. You know, there's nothing you have to do about it. It's just happening that way. But it's disturbing to people because they also experience what it's truly like to feel a separate self. And they've gone through their whole life, just this is just the way things are. And suddenly when they experience what that actually feels like, it doesn't feel good. You know, I mean, they were unaware of it before, but to feel that the contraction of, of the infinite being squeezed into this little tiny box feels so uncomfortable, miserable, you know, just so tight and not true. And yet it's been done so much that we feel it and suddenly we're feeling it, but we're aware of it now. And that also helps us wake up because we don't want it anymore. It's like, Oh God, that's really not good. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I won an award and I was very proud. Yeah. But that was also hell <laughs> to feel this. <laughs> I was, I won the award. I did this. It didn't feel good. You know, when, when I felt this great space, that the contrast of this little eye doesn't feel good at all. It feels terrible. You now, so, so we do go through that as, as, a, as part of the awakening process. It's, it's the pain of, of going through the things we've resisted before. And at the same time, we're opening. The beauty of it is we also have these moments of great freedom, you know, and so we have freedom and then lack of freedom. Oh, lack of freedom is horrible. I didn't even know what it was before. I just thought this is just life. But now I realize it was terrible, you know? And so, okay, that helps us let go of it. We don't want to hold on to something that's so horrible. We're not resisting it. It doesn't do any good to resist. Right. But we see it for what it is, and we don't cling to it anymore. We don't let go. We don't say, who would I be without my suffering anymore? 
We say, I don't know who I am. You know, how can I define this? This whole totality, this whole infinite, unlimited nature, how would I define it, something like that? How would I define something that's not separate from anything else? It can't have it, a definition. But it's okay because we feel it and it feels wonderful. And we say, no, it's good. I don't need to understand it. I don't need to identify with it. It just is. And I'm happy. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing with me today and for the silence. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There, you know, it's, I feel that that peace and everything that you say yeah. and not say. And I'm I like, can see it in you. Maybe you're always like this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but this is a wonderful thing to give to to people, you know, that, that you work with. I mean, just this. Just this, you know, just your presence. Your presence is very beautiful. You know, it's very free and open. And to give this, there is no better gift that there is in the world to give. You know, and, and the thing is, it's, it's hard to understand this with the mind, really, because we're not doing anything. We're just being. And it seems like, wait a minute, I need to do something. I need to, like, have studied this and then bring this in. I need to do. Yeah. But it's actually just the pure presence, the being that is the greatest gift to just be. To just be with someone or not with someone. Just being is the greatest gift. But to another person, it is an incredibly amazing gift to receive. You know, and again, it's not something that that you can really say or they can say, you know, why did I think it was so great to be with Maria? Honestly, I don't really know. It just <laughs> was, you know, suddenly my life opened up suddenly things I don't know why you know I mean the mind will say oh it's because she said this and because she did this and because she did that that's why mm -hmm. but if we're really honest and we really connect we don't know right. it's presence you know we're bringing something extremely precious into the world because there isn't that much of it you know, yes, presence is everywhere. We can't be away from presence. Everything is presence. It's the only reality there is. There is no past and future. There is only this, this moment. But when we experience that, when we're feeling that, and we don't do anything to do that, we just do. It just is. We let go. And suddenly we're present. And that has an effect on other people. It lets them become present. It gives them permission to become present, mm -hmm. to become real. There's nothing more precious in life than this because they become present to, to their love that's always here. It doesn't need anything causeless mm -hmm. and peace that's causeless. And this absolute contentment, which can be experienced as bliss. When we feel the energy of the body, it can be experienced as bliss. That's causeless. Truth. All this comes from simply our presence. Yeah. So grateful. So grateful for you. Thank you for this teaching and for our ancestors that are with us too in the future. Mm -hmm. Grateful. Thank you, Maria. Hopefully, talk soon again. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you, Peter Cutler, for spending time with us today and for sharing your wisdom and your presence. 
with all of us. If you want to find out more about Peter Cutler and his work, you can check out his website, n-lightenment.com, or check out his recent book, The Zen of Love. Thank you for listening to the Be The Light podcast and for shining your light into your life, becoming part of this momentum of positive change and healing. I'm your host, Maria Kammerer. You can find out more about my work at attunecincinnati.com.